0: By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com Elise Matron took a deep breath of the cool air coming in through the window. She stared out at the harbor as the boat carrying scare left. Though she was normally the person chosen to meet with dignitaries and allies, this time Scare was chosen to go to Teardret. She did not envy him, though she also did not yearn to go in his stead. She had ventured to Teardret once and hated the experience. She felt the mage knights, as well as the scholars, were quite pretentious. She did not envy Scare for having to deal with him. She knew that the moment Scare entered Teardred he would be looked down upon as inferior No one on the Isle of Wharton belonged to a god. Elise also knew that Dorelius had no intentions of recruiting anyone from the island to worship him. Why her father was sending Scare to Tirdret was beyond her, but it wasn't her decision to make. Parlaying with the mage knights was not something that she felt was advantageous. The ship had vanished over the horizon, but she kept her eyes focused on the harbor, as she did regularly when her brother was out at sea. She liked to sit and watch the harbor to make sure that he returned safely. She was very close to Ebalus. The two had grown up together and were only two years apart in age. Ebalus was older, but Elise was much wiser. With what Ebalus possessed with his battle smarts and guile, Elise made up for it with her knowledge and wisdom. Though it was custom and tradition for the men to rule the Isle of Warton. Rydlakek knew his daughter would have a strong role to play. Where Sonier was his royal vizier, he intended on Elise to serve that position for Ebalus. Ryligek hoped that Elise's wisdom would be enough to make Eblis a stronger leader. A gentle tap on the door grabbed Elise's attention. She took her focus off of the harbor and turned back toward the door to see it opening to reveal Sonye. Has my grandson's ship left over the horizon yet? She asked as she entered the room. Elise smiled and nodded, followed by Sonye looking distraught. Here's hoping that the Naga leave it alone. I worry that they don't have the manpower on board to fight them off if they get too far away from the island. Elise nodded solemnly. The Naga have been getting rather bold lately. I wonder what Xylene's ultimate plan is. Sonia folded her arms across her chest and tried to remain calm. I don't know, but this is why we're sending Scare to Teardret to parley with the Mage Knights. Elise looked on stoically. Are we not trying to join Dorelius and his order? Is there something more at play? She asked. Sonia remained calm. We have no intentions of joining any deity's order. At least not yet. It's not advantageous for us. However, my hope for sending Scare to Teardret is that we can find out what Xylene's plan actually is. We need to be able to defend ourselves from Xylene and his Naga, and perhaps even if his order decide to attack us openly. If he ever were to send priests or abbots, we would be in deep trouble. Our hope is Dorelius can tell us what Xylene's ultimate goal is so that we can actually fight him off for good. Too many generations of villagers have died at the hand of the Naga. We need to be very careful and we need to end this threat for good." Elise listened intently as Sonier continued her speech. She pondered the thought of a life without strife. She wondered if a life without the threat of the Naga could ever exist. She also wondered what life would be like without them at all. I wonder, Sonia, what would happen if we actually joined Xylene? What would happen if we never had to worry about the Naga again? Is that something that could be achieved? Sonier folded her arms across her chest again and looked aghast. Why would we consider joining Xylene? He has killed too many of our people. We have gone far too long without joining a deity, and for us to join Xylene would be preposterous. What makes you think that would be a good idea at all? Elise opened up her hands and waved them gently. I'm not saying we should join him, I'm simply asking a rhetorical question. I'm simply trying to get you to think. What would life be like if we didn't have to worry about the Naga at all? Sonye appeared stoic. There are only three ways that I can think of that we would never have to deal with the Naga again. The first would be to join Xylene, which I can promise you we will not do. The second would be to make the Naga go extinct, which I don't think is quite possible. No matter how many of them we kill, more seem to come in their place. That ultimately leaves the third option. We have to do something so great that Xylene doesn't want to attack us anymore. Elise looked on intrigued, so that is why Scare is going to Teardrit. He's going to find out what we can do to make Xylene stop attacking us." Sonya nodded emphatically. That is the ultimate goal, though I'm still doubtful it'll happen. Xylene has no reason to stop attacking us and Daryllius has no knowledge, at least I don't think he does, to what Xylene would want to stop. Daryllius is quite knowledgeable about the actions of this world, but he's not abreast of motives. He may not know why Xylene does what he does, but he knows what his actions are. Daryllius will at least be aware of what has happened to our island, and maybe he can give us some insight to what Xylene is trying to build. Elise stepped away from the window. So the ultimate goal then is just knowledge. We're not trying to join the order of Daryllius? Sonya shook her head. If it comes to that, then it comes to that. But I doubt it comes to that at all. We simply need to know what's going on so that we can take the proper action. Xylene is very powerful, just as Talgis is, but of all the gods. He is the one who is giving us the most problems. The rest of them leave us alone and allow us to exist without bothering anyone. We provide fish and other goods for the rest of the mainland. We participate in the Dunai economy and we keep things afloat, but we keep to ourselves. We don't get into the affairs of the mainland. We don't get into the affairs of the deities. We stay to ourselves and it's been beneficial for generations." Elise continued to listen to Sonier's lecture, though she still wondered if more needed to be done. She knew she had to ask the tough questions, just to get the best answers. She needed to get people thinking of the way life could be, not the way life was. Ever since its inception and founding, the Mertron family ruled over the Isle of Warton, and ever since the beginning, the Naga had been pestering them. However, their incursions and attacks had become far more regular, and the casualties had become far greater. Elise knew the time to change was coming, and they needed to do something soon. Too many lives had already been lost, and more lives were soon to be sent to slaughter unless the Naga could be dealt with. She hoped Scare could get some information from Durelius and his followers, but she was still reluctant to believe so. Dunai worked on a quid pro quo type system. They had little to offer Tierjet. Because of this, they could expect little in return. Elise worried that the trip would be in vain and that Scare would be wasting his time. She also worried they would be sullying the reputation of the Isle of Orton. She knew something needed to be done and something needed to change, but she worried that this was not the answer. The waves crashed against the boat as it moved through the open water. Eblis leaned against the rail and looked off the side, looking at the wakes in its path. The sails were high overhead, casting a shadow on the boat, while the many men and women on the ship were moving about, casting lines into the water, catching many fish while also keeping the boat moving frantically. They couldn't sit still and rest because if the boat stopped moving, the naga would attack. So long as they were in motion, they were safe. Ebalus placed his hands on the wooden rail and gripped it firmly. The wind blew against his face as an uneasy peace came over him. He knew he had to be vigilant and he had to be focused. At any moment, the naga could attack. The grizzled old captain kept his hands firmly on the wheel. or toys. a man who had served the kingdom for quite some time maneuvered the ship through the steady waters. He did not trust any of the subordinates to steer the ship, seeing as how many of them were new, and many of them were also unprepared. He knew how to avoid the trap set by the Naga, which was something that had kept him alive for so long. None of the crew had yet displayed the vision to keep the hull safe. While Ortois kept his hands on the wheel, the rest of the crew were toiling away as they always did. Several large nets went in and out of the water, bringing up fish and other goods that they could sell at markets. What they could not immediately use in the kingdom, they would use to barter for other goods from other areas. It's what allowed the Isle of Wartan to be remarkably self-sufficient. For the most part, they possessed the means to take care of themselves. If they ever did require something from somewhere else, they had the means to get it. The waters were becoming a bit choppy as they continued out to sea. Ortoys kept his hands on the wheel and kept the ship moving straight. The crew continued to move with urgency while Ebalus kept his eyes on the horizon. He kept his eyes looking forward in the event that the Naga were planning to strike. If they did, his urgency would be the reason they would survive. Even though the ship was moving rapidly through the water, the Naga were always watching. Ebalus kept his eyes focused on the crests of the waves, specifically the whitecaps because this was where the Naga would reveal themselves. Inexperienced or even overzealous Naga would reveal the fins of their heads as they tried to inspect the ship. They would come up for reconnaissance in the hope of seeing cracks in the hole or any other weaknesses they could exploit. However, if they were a bit too overzealous, they would reveal themselves and the crew could act ahead of time. Being able to catch an ambush was how they would survive. Ebalus kept his eyes peered out into the water to see if any of the Naga were approaching. "'Ortoys, take care,' announced Ebalus as he looked out of the horizon. "'I believe we may have some visitors coming up from the Depths soon.' Ortoys scoffed as he listened to Ebalus. No Naga will take this ship down, lad, I assure you. Ebalus sighed loudly. I hope your confidence doesn't get us killed, old man. Ebalus glanced out of the horizon as suddenly a large spear came hurtling over the railing. The spear flew rapidly through the air and embedded itself in the wooden deck of the ship, missing everyone but sending a notice to the crew. Ebalus announced loudly, informing the crew they needed to get below deck. The Naga were approaching and it was his job to fend them off. Ortois held onto the wheel and tried to steer through the choppy waters. Several Nagas showed their head, poking it out from underneath the water. Suddenly, another spear came over the side of the deck, this time hitting one of the crew members in the leg. He winced in pain as he was drugged below deck. Though his wounds were great, they were not mortal. He would survive the night. However, Ebalus was now aware that there were multiple Nagas with their eyes trained on the ship. Ortois, it might be best if we turned and went back to port, announced Ebalus as he saw the blood on the deck from the crewman's leg. Ortois scoffed loudly and kept his hands on the wheel. Lad, we are not afraid of Naga and we will reach our destination. I assure you of that. As the words came out of his mouth, another spear came hurtling over the railing, this time hitting Ortois right in the chest. As he gripped the wheel firmly, the wheel spun, turning the boat rapidly to its left. Eblis fought back the urge to panic as he watched Ortoi's body land limply against the deck. Within seconds, his soul was on the way to Vestia's halls, though the ship was still turning rapidly to the left, going in a circle and keeping itself prime for the Naga's attack. Eblis screamed loudly, trying to get the attention of the crew in the hull. Can anyone steer the ship? We need to stop going in a circle and start moving back toward port. Can anyone help me? Can anyone hear me? Suddenly, the door to the hull opened up and a young woman appeared. Her stature was small and unimposing, and her black hair reflected the rays of the sun. She immediately ran over to the wheel and stopped it from spinning, turning it back toward port and stabilizing the ship. She pushed the body of Ortois away with her foot to give her some space, though the blood on the ground coated her boots. "'We'll deal with my uncle later,' she announced. Keep us alive, Ebalus. That is your job now. Ebalus looked at the young woman and nodded. Of course it is, and I'll do my best. As he said that, another harpoon came over the railing, though this time Ebalus was able to grab it before it could hit anyone. He looked over the side of the deck to see the naga who threw it, staring at him and snarling. I think you lost something, announced Ebalus as he tossed the harpoon back into the water. The young woman turned the boat away from the naga hunting ground as another harpoon came flying over. Eblis, in another move of rare agility, grabbed the harpoon and tossed it back into the water. Two in a row did not reach their destination. After a few minutes and a few more harpoons, none reaching their destination, the boat traveled away from the swarming naga and headed back toward the Isle of Wurton. You did us a service, young lady. I appreciate what you've done announced Ebalus as he looked back at the young woman. "'I was meant to steer this ship one day. "'I was just hoping that day would not be today,' she replied. "'My uncle has been preparing me for this since the day I stepped foot on this ship. "'I knew I could steer it, but I was hoping I wouldn't have to do it now.' Ebalus folded his arms across his chest and looked at the young woman. "'So I take it you're related to the old man?' The young woman nodded solemnly. "'He was my uncle. "'My name is Veneer, and he was all I had left.' Eblis appeared lost in thought as he tried to compose his words. She had just lost her only family, and now she had inherited the ship that she would become the captain of. Well, Veneer, my name is Eblis Mertrand, and it's a pleasure to meet you. I wish you were under better circumstances, but I do appreciate you taking control of this ship. When we get back to port, it would be my honor if you would accompany me to dinner. I would love to discuss with you further how this ship can continue to serve the might of the Isle of Wharton. Veneer turned to eblis and scoffed. Are you asking me out on a date right now, after my uncle just passed away from a spear from one of the Naga? Eblis appeared awkward as he realized what he had done. I suppose you're right. I apologize, he said. Veneer shook her head and laughed. There's never a good time to ask someone to a date. I'll be there this evening, she replied with a wry grin. The ship was on its way to the harbor and everyone was safe, and now Eblis had to think what he was going to feed the young woman. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the By Gods and Kings podcast. For more information on By Gods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at By Gods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.